So last week we started our series called Lead by Example. And just to recap, the reason why we're doing this series is so we can all learn a little bit more about Christian leadership and apply that to areas of our lives. As Christians and as as people in the community, we want to lead others to Christ. Now, as a leadership council at the church, we also want to create a streamline that trains up future generations for leadership because we realize that, uh, like I said last week, the church can be one generation away from extinction if we do not train up the next generation in the beliefs of the Christian faith. So we want to train up the church, obviously. So the first step is to reach the masses, teach everybody in the entire church what Christian leadership looks like, and then, like I said, create that streamline in order to have future generations lead the church because none of us are getting any younger and generations will come and generations will die off. And uh, we want to make sure that this church is a light to the community as it has been since 1977. So the key verse for our series has been Titus 2, verse 7. It says, show yourselves in all respects to be an example of good work. So we realize that we lead other people by the way that we live, being an example of good works. So our first topic last week was the example of faith. And in that, we learned the cornerstone of the Christian of Christian leadership has to be the faith that we have in Jesus. So we learned four ways that we can sharpen our faith on a daily basis. Now, when we think about leadership and leaders and and people that we're willing to follow, we have to ask ourselves a question. What is one of the main reasons why I would follow a leader? Now, of course, as Christians, you would say a person who is a Christian, somebody who, who trusts in Jesus. So obviously that would be the first and primary when we're talking about Christian leadership. But I think the answer that most people would say that they follow a leader is they want to follow somebody that they can trust. Would you agree with that? You you wouldn't follow somebody that you can't trust. So how do we become a person that other people can trust? Well, I think the answer to that is we need to have something called integrity. So our second topic is being an example of integrity. Now, Titus 2, 7 through 8 goes on. It says, show yourself in all respects to be an example of good works. And then it says, and in your teaching, show integrity. So then the question is, what is integrity? Now, by definition, integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. So in other words, it's living by the things that you believe are true. Some people have defined it as, you know, it's integrity is who you are when no one's watching. So we have our moral principles that we believe in, and they're based upon Scripture. So basically what, what integrity is, is actually living those principles out no matter what situation that you find yourself in. Now, there's plenty of examples in scriptures of people that have integrity. Obviously, the best example is Jesus himself. 
But I want to focus our attention for a few moments this morning on the, the Old Testament character named Job. Now, some of you might remember Job in the account of Job in the Old Testament. Um, it's 42 chapters. It's a pretty lengthy book. So I'm going to summarize a few things about Job and his integrity, the things that held him through this situation that many of us might cave under. But because of Job's integrity, he, he kept his focus on the Lord. So the first thing I want to talk about with Job is found in Job chapter 2. Now, this is after Job had lost pretty much everything. So in Job chapter 1, Job pretty much lost everything due to an attack from Satan that God actually permitted. In Job chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, it says this, In all this, so Job lost everything, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here we have a wealthy man, a lot of relationships, uh, family, friends, all this and everything just crumbles. So instead of shaking his fist at God and saying, why God? He actually like pretty much praises God and just as the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we have a man who had everything going for him. He lost it all except for his health. And as a result, he did not fall into sin or blame God, but he actually worshiped God. Now, because his response was so positive, the attack from Satan was now going to be on Job's health because Satan believed that Job would turn his back on God if he was in poor health. So basically, Satan was waging an attack against pretty much Job, but also God. And he was saying, this man will only praise you when things are going well. And then all those things that were going well were not going well anymore. So now Satan's next attack was, oh no, he's only still praising you because he's healthy. So let's find out what happens in Job 2. It says this, Job 2, verse 3, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him, destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, there's a lot here. I don't want to get into the theology of spiritual warfare and all that, but there's a lot here. But one of the things that God says about Job, it's, he says he still holds fast to his integrity. Now, Job was a wealthy and blessed man, but he was also a righteous man that feared and loved God. And God, knowing his heart, knew that no matter what trial or tribulation came his way, he would display integrity. He would actually live out what he believed. Now, some of the other things going on here is this. Satan was always and will always be the great challenger of God, meaning his goal and purpose is to try to prove God wrong, 
So waging an attack on a righteous man and the righteous man caving to the pressure would help his case, would help Satan's case to prove God wrong. But here we have Job. He didn't cave. You see, the idea here is Satan was trying to prove that Job was only righteous, only feared God, and only lived with integrity because he was blessed, because he had wealth, and because he was healthy. See, Job still worshipped God and lived with integrity. So now let's see what happened when Job's health was actually attacked. His wife actually had something to say about this when his health was attacked. And believe it or not, Job acted in integrity, lived with integrity, still worshipped God. And you would think that his wife would say, I am so happy to have a godly husband. You would think that, right? But the exact opposite is true. In Job 2.9, it says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's what his wife said. Real helpful. Okay, ladies, okay, never say something like that to your husband. Okay, you want to be an encourager. She wasn't. Basically, she's saying, really, Job, are you still going to follow and obey a God that allowed all this to happen? So Job answers his wife. And he's Basically, two things happen when he answers her. In, in uh, Job 2.10, it says, but he said to her, you speak as one, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. So notice he chose his words wisely. He didn't say, woman, you're a fool. He said, you speak as one who is a fool. Okay. So that's a good, you know, way to handle conflict in a marriage, maybe. But he's basically, he rebukes her and he says, listen, that's foolish talk. Okay. That's foolish talk. We, we don't talk about God like that. And then he says this, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And then it says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, I want to clarify something theologically here. Job is not teaching that evil comes from God, but that he is teaching that evil is in the world. And when we are not delivered from it and have to walk through it and endure it, That is not a reason to curse God and turn our backs on God. You get that? Evil is in the world, and sometimes we'll have to walk through it. And many of you have been through issues in life, health problems, health of a loved one, financial problems, different things have happened in your life. Evil is in this world. That's actually why Jesus, remember in the Lord's Prayer, do you remember this part of the Lord's Prayer? You probably do. Deliver us from what? Evil. Right? So even Jesus says, we pray, deliver us from evil. Evil's real, bad things will happen, and Satan is trying to prove God wrong by lying to us and saying that only people that can have integrity are the people that are not exposed to evil and everything goes their way. You see what he's trying to do here? He's trying to say, the only people that will really worship God and have integrity, the only people that will really stick to moral uprightness are people that things are going well for. But you and I both know that there's people that things are going really well from them, for them, and they are doing some really terrible things against the Lord. They're sinning. So God is teaching us through Job that it is possible to hold fast to integrity even when things don't go our way. So now after this whole account, we have about 25 chapters of Job going back and forth with his friends, and he's honestly lamenting. 
Now, we see a man who deals with this, but he's not like, I'm so happy this is happening. Job is lamenting. I mean, the book is, you know, he's upset. He's discouraged. There's this turmoil in his life. And that's fine to do. When, when you have something going on that's turmoil, when there's a tribulation, it's not wrong to be bummed about it. It's not wrong to lament about it. But with Job, in this situation, he does not sin. And in fact, he was resolved not to sin. In Job 27.5, he says this, Till I die, I will not put away my integrity. Till I die. He's saying, I'm not going to put this away. I'm going to hold fast to my integrity. I believe what I believe about the Lord, who he is and what he's done. And I'm sticking with that. Job 31.6, he says, let me be weighed in just balance and let God know my integrity. So he's saying, I'm going to hold fast to it, and God knows my heart. Now, what we're going to do next is I want to talk about, and eventually I want to talk about the benefits of integrity and how we actually build integrity in our life so that we could lead others. But before I do that, what I want to do is I want to answer this question, because some people here might be asking this question. What, happen, what happens when I actually compromise my integrity? Or let's just say you have an integrity lapse. Maybe you're on the other side of that. You're like, I did not handle a situation well. You know, something blew up. Maybe it was, you know, some trial or tribulation came through and I sinned through it, or maybe things were going well and I sinned. Whatever it is, let's just say you had an integrity lapse. We hear about someone like Job and we think to ourselves, I didn't respond like this. I don't know if I ever can respond like this. Maybe you fell into some sort of sin while things were going pretty good in your life and you. Maybe even said, I knew it was wrong, but I, the temptation was just too great. Now your reputation is marred. There was this integrity lapse. Your reputation is marred. People think you have no integrity. People do not trust you. What do you do? So basically, it's almost like saying, if you fall, how do you regain how do you regain the integrity? Because if we're trying to lead other people, right, Christian leadership in, in any area of your life, not just the church, you need integrity. And if you have a reputation that's been marred, what in the world do you do? Well, the first thing you need to do for yourself is remember what the gospel actually teaches. Okay? The gospel teaches that we are all sinners. We are all sinners and we need a savior. That Savior is Jesus. He died on the cross and then rose three days later to prove that he's God. He says, all who believe will have eternal life. All who believe are forgiven of their sin. What you need to do right now is you need to remind yourself, I am forgiven of that when I bring it to Jesus. He is faithful to forgive me. Okay, never wallow in that. Never think that God cannot use you again in your life. Remind yourself of the beautiful gospel message that Jesus forgives sinners. But, do you know what? People are not God, and they don't know your heart, and it's going to take some time. You're forgiven, right? But everybody doesn't necessarily see you that way yet. I'm not, I'm not saying that people don't forgive you because they actually are commanded to forgive. Jesus actually commands us to forgive other people. But 
I am saying this, that you have to have patience with the people around you that are not ready to trust you yet. Because basically what's happened is if you've had an integrity lapse, people are not ready to trust you yet. And I'm not saying that time has to pass because time heals the wound. I'm saying time has to pass because time now gives you a new opportunity to actually prove that you're a person of integrity and can be trusted again. Maybe you have someone like that in your life. You're like, I forgive them, but I don't trust them. Or maybe you're that person in someone else's life. I know they forgive me, but they don't trust me. Well, if that's you, if you're the one with the integrity lapse, you have to say, okay, I kind of get it. I kind of understand. You know, some people say, well, that's unfair. They should, they should trust me and put me back in that position again, whatever it is. But do you know Jesus teaches on multiple occasions that we actually reap what we sow? Okay, that means this. There's earthly consequences to some of the things that we do, especially to some of the sins that we commit. So if you have an integrity lapse that caused you to be seen as untrustworthy, you're going to have to deal with working that back up. You're going to have to deal with proving that you are trustworthy again. You're going to have to deal with proving that you have integrity. Hopefully that hasn't happened to you. And hopefully this message has gotten to you before that will happen to you. Because it's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy road. Some of you are walking that road right now. But if you haven't walked that road, you don't want to walk that road of having to build that back up. God has forgiven you. People should forgive you because they're commanded to forgive you. But for them to restore their trust in you is going to take a lot of proving on your part. So hopefully you're not at that point. So let's learn about the benefits of integrity. That was kind of like a little side in a sense. So what are the benefits of integrity? Well, the Proverbs teach us a lot about the benefits of integrity. And the first thing is protection. Proverbs 2.7 says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. See, the simple truth here is this, that God protects those that walk in integrity. Not that nothing bad will ever happen to them, but God is with us to walk through it just as he is with Job. You know, you might have realized that in some time in your life when something bad has happened to you and you thought, like, this should have crushed me. But for some reason, I feel a strength that I've never felt before. Well, that is actually God protecting you and guiding you through this situation that normally many people would sin in that situation. But he's held you up. The second benefit of integrity is confidence. Proverbs 10, 9 says this, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. This is the confidence of knowing that doing the right thing, we never walk in fear. We don't fear authority. We don't worry about being caught or getting in trouble because we're actually doing the right thing. When you listen to God and follow him and do the right thing, you walk confidently. You're not worried about what people think. One of the biggest traps that of, of our culture is people are so worried what other people think about them, and it's not necessarily the, the people that they should worry about. They're, they're worried about the outward. 
Whereas God is saying, you do what's right. Don't worry about what the people think. Worry about doing what's right. And guess what? You're going to walk confidently. If you're a Christian leader in your area of life, people are going to see that, you know what? Everybody's going one way, but the right way was to go this way. And that person is choosing the right way. There's something different about them. The third benefit is blessing, Proverbs 2.21. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. Now, God will bless. Now, some of you are wondering about Job. Well, when you get to the end of Job, you see God blessed again. Okay, God blessed again. And he rewards those who follow him. He rewards us here. But more importantly, he rewards us in eternity. And the fourth benefit of integrity is guidance. Proverbs 11:3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. You know, when we do the right thing and when we go in the right direction, um, guess what? We make right choices. We go in the right direction when we make right choices. And leaders, Christian leaders, need to be going in the right direction because we don't want people following us down the wrong way. We want people following us towards the Lord. Remember, we're learning about leading others. So our integrity, our holding fast to what is true from God's word will actually guide us, but it will actually guide other people as well. So having integrity sounds great, right? Which brings us to the final question is, how do we really build this in our life? Hey, this is not just something like, okay, I went to church on Sunday and Pastor Mike was talking about integrity and, you know, I went home and I logged online and I took the integrity test and it told me, okay, yeah, you have integrity and, oh, no, I don't have integrity and there's one box I have to check and now I have it, okay? This is a lifelong thing, isn't it? It's a lifelong thing. So we have to go back. We have to remember last week, right, what, what are the things that sharpen our faith? Hearing the word, memorizing the word, fellowshipping with other believers and praying. Those are spiritual disciplines that we practice. Well, those same things will actually help us to sharpen our integrity or to build our integrity. They sharpen our faith. They also build our integrity. But we learn from Job a key to building our integrity. And that is something called worship, which is also a spiritual discipline. See, the reason why... It's whatever we worship is what we are focusing on. Whatever we worship is what we are focusing on. When we worship God, we're focusing on God. You see, Job's focus was not on all the great things that he had. Think about this. Going into this whole thing, Job was a righteous man. Job was a man who walked with integrity. But Job was so blessed Job had wealth. Job had relationships. Job had health. So the reason why Satan chose to attack Job or wanted to attack Job is he's like, here's a guy who's got it all. Of course he's going to cave when he doesn't have it all. But Job's focus was not on the gifts. Job's focus was on the giver of the good gifts. Think about that for a second. It wasn't on the stuff. It wasn't on the health. It wasn't on the relationship. It wasn't on all the things he had. His focus was on the giver of the good gifts. So when all that trouble came his way, he worshiped God no matter what. Because he realized his situation 
did not change who God is. Okay, your situation might change. Trouble may come your way. Something bad might happen. That changed, but God didn't. He still deserves to be worshipped, no matter what's going on in your life. So the question I have for you is this. Where's your focus? If your focus is on your finances, you're going to have a hard time when you have financial trouble. If your focus is on your possessions, you're going to have a hard time when something happens to all that stuff you own. If your focus is on your relationships, you're going to have a hard time when you have relational issues or lose a loved one. If your focus is on your career, you're going to have a hard time when you no longer have that career. If your focus is on your health and your body image, you're going to have a hard time when you age or come into bad health. The list can go on and on and on and on, right? And I'm not saying these things do not need attention. But I am saying, if these things become the center of your attention, they start to cross the line of becoming worshipped. And none of us would ever say, I worship my finances, I worship my career. None of us would ever use that language ever in our entire lives. But if your focus is on those things, at that point, we start to live our life to serve those things. And inevitably, when, when that happens, our integrity will be compromised because at some point those things may cause us to do something sinful so that we protect them. See, we need to worship God when good comes our way, and we need to worship God when evil comes our way, and we need to worship God, guess what, even in the status quo, when things are like probably like they are right now for you, just status quo. When we do that, it actually builds integrity. We lead others to worship and build integrity as well. You know, worship is thanking God. Worship is praising God. Worship is recognizing the work of God in your life. And one of the most common forms of worship we practice here every Sunday, right? It's actually lifting the name of the Lord in praise. Today, we're going to close the service and we're going to sing, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for the example of Job, but we're thankful even more importantly, Lord, that when we pursue integrity in our lives, Lord, when we live out what we actually believe, Lord, we know that fulfillment in our lives is more apparent. And not only that, Lord, we know that we can lead others to you because you don't change. Our situation might change, but you do not. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.